Music is something that is very, very dear to all of our hearts. I think we've asked this before, but many of you may have a favorite Christmas song that you have that you can't wait to put on either your, you know, put in your car, play it around the house, whatever it is, but you just can't wait. Maybe there's a whole album. There's one for me that whenever we start um, decorating the Christmas tree around the house, I like to put on. It's one, one of the new ones by Kelly Clarkson. But it's got this great place where somebody's playing the bells, and so I play air bells for the girls. Maybe you have one that you like to sing. Perry Como's Christmas special you put on and just sing along to. If you're younger than me, you might not know who Perry Como is. Find someone with white hair or no hair, and they may be able to tell you. (laughs) But there is something powerful about songs. I remember as a young person in high school, I was terrified as we came closer to the Christmas show at our, my high school. I was part of a show choir. I know some of you will find that hard to believe. I could sing and dance at the same time. <laughs> Rocking around the Christmas tree at the Christmas party. Hop. Ha! That was it. My box step. I don't know. I dug a few times, I'm sure. Something like that. This week, I got to watch Mackenzie do her Christmas show um, that she did for her school where she sang. I even got to see Beckett's first Christmas program as he sat there with his, in his little class and he had his bell. Do you remember those times with our kids? I mean, listen, we've all been in a Christmas program of some kind, either made to be in it or chosen, and we've had the little bell. And there's nothing like seeing three-year-olds shake the little bell or sing... Um, sing some kind of, of, of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Ranger to Hokey Pokey. <laughs> I mean, this kind of stuff just absolutely warms the heart. Maybe you can remember to a time when your kids did this, or maybe you can remember when you were a kid and you did something like this. You may have stood up in front of the congregation and sang here, or maybe you just sang at your school. I also, when I was in the Glee Club, I was able to sing a Christmas show every year. It was really cool this year. They did it all, again, kind of virtually. And so I got a chance to sit on the couch and watch the Purdue Christmas show this year on Friday evening. And it took me back to those moments when I would stay up trying to study and learn words for um, the Christmas show because it was always right before finals time. But there was something about it. After doing six shows in this weekend, we would do um, one show on Friday evening, three on Saturday, and two shows on Sunday. And then I was supposed to have a chemistry final on Monday morning. (laughs) That was a rough one. But there was something about finishing that last Christmas show, and it always ended the same way. We would finish our last song, And the curtain would come down, and there would be this moment of quiet. People did not applaud. And there were 6,000 folks out in Elliott Hall of Music 
and a hundred plus singers on the stage, and it was absolute quiet. This moment of recognition of God's peace. Mary's song, the Magnificat, has been placed to music. It has been sung in different places. You may have heard it in different ways. But it is one of four songs in Luke's gospel. We have the story, we have the song of Gabriel when he comes to Mary. We have the song of Zechariah, as he sings about what God has done in his and Elizabeth's life in the birth of John the Baptist. There is Mary's song, the Magnificat, and then there is one other song that will happen on Christmas Eve when the shepherds will receive the song of the angels out in the fields. There is something beautiful about songs and something powerful in the silence that happens after them. Each song is different in the Gospel of Luke. Gabriel's song and the angel song is one of proclamation of what is coming, of what is happening. It is an invitation both to Mary and also to the shepherds that are out in the fields to come and see or to be a part of this story that God is making possible here and now. Zechariah's, one, Zechariah's song is one in which he acknowledges how God is working in the world in his life, but also in the life of this child that is being born, and how he just knows that this child will change the world. And then there's Mary's. It is a song that resonates with words that we may have understood that came from a psalm, but they are also infused with her own feelings of what is being asked of her, what she is being invited to be a part of, and what this child that she will bear, how he will change the world as well. It's fascinating. I don't, you know, most of the time, this is mainly for us Bible nerds, but when you read Mary's Magnificat, English teachers out there, did you notice that the... Um, that the past and present tense of all these verbs is different. Sometimes she's talking about what's happening now, and then she's also talking about things in the future that have already happened. What she recognizes is what is, is, what is going on here in her own womb, what is being birthed, has already begun to change the world. Luke's story is powerful, and he puts these four songs in here to speak to us and to sing a word to us this Christmas. It's important also to know how, this, how these songs are being sung. Zechariah sings as one who was mute. Remember, his voice was taken away because he laughed at what God told him would happen. And so his song comes out of a place where he 
had been quiet, silent, unable to speak. And let me just tell you, as a minister, being unable to speak, it's tough for your vocation. So there comes joy in his song. When the angels speak, both Gabriel and those that are out there, they speak from a place of coming to a new area. They come to earth to share God's message. They are messengers. And they come to people where they are. Gabriel meets Mary in her fear and in her own home. And the angels find the shepherds out in the fields where they are doing their work, where they are taking care of the sheep. The win for Mary is important as well. In Luke's gospel, he places the birth of Jesus at 4 CE, or otherwise known AD. So that's four years after the start of this new Roman calendar. We place that because that's when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and when the census was held. We recognize this through historical documents. That's when we place it. That is important for Luke. Now, Matthew, as you know, tells the story in a little bit of a different way. He actually places the birth of Jesus um, four years before the Common Era, 4 BCE. He places that because Herod is ruler of this area at that time. And we know the story about how Herod killed all the firstborn to try and kill Jesus. That's part of Matthew's story, and so that's where he places it. But Luke places Jesus' birth in a time when the Romans occupied Israel. He places a song in Mary for, in a woman that is young, in an area that is, that is occupied by a foreign ruler, and in the voice of someone who is seen as less than. It is her voice, it is her song that Luke lifts up. Now, some people say that Luke was being a little political when he was putting down his story to paper 60, 70 years after Jesus' death. That he was trying to speak to the Romans who were still in power at this time and to speak a word of kind of, of thumbing his nose at the Romans, with, but doing it with this kind of undercurrent, just kind of revolutionary tone where a Caesar was thought to be born of a deity. Luke tells the story of a baby who was born of God, but to a humble girl, and in a humble place, one who comes with a new word. But Luke does so in a way that she is almost cast aside by those who think they're in power. I mean, really, if we think about it, should we be fearful of a baby born to a young girl and a craftsperson like Joseph in a town like Nazareth in an occupied country? No. 
Back then, they paid attention to people who had money, who had power, who had strength, who had fame. That's who they paid attention to. Why would God come in this form? Still, Mary sings. Are we ready for that song today? What is it that we value? What is it that we are listening for this year? Because we recognize that music, we recognize that songs bombard us all over the place right now. There are whole radio stations just for Christmas music. As I mentioned, I've been to three Christmas shows of my own choice. Lots of Christmas music. We Christmas caroled last Sunday. I now sing Christmas carols to my son to help put him to bed. There is music everywhere, but what is it that I am really listening for? Am I ready to hear the story, to hear the song of a girl who is cast aside, who has no power, who has no wealth, who has no strength, Am I ready to hear that song? I have to admit, I don't know. Because still, I would much rather hear the voice of a better singer than me sing Christmas songs. And if I listen to Mary's voice, if I listen to her song, if I value her life, then that means I need to do something. That I have to recognize that God can sing through me as well. What does that mean for us? It means that you have a voice. It means that God is trying to sing through you each and every day. It is an invitation. An invitation for us to put aside those people and those institutions that we think will bring us joy, that will bring us happiness, that will bring us fulfillment in our life. And to listen to the songs, the still small songs that exist inside of us that God has placed there that we are invited to sing about how God's peace how God's love, how God's hope, how God's joy is still breaking forth today. I don't know if we've learned it. I really don't. We keep looking to people that are famous, that have power, that have prestige, that have more TikTok followers than the world to, to answer the questions of how we're to live our lives. And the thing is, it's found in the still, small voice, the less than voice of a young girl in an occupied country singing 
a song that has been placed there by God. You may think, I don't have a good enough voice. No one wants to listen to me. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too this. I'm too that. No one wants to hear what I have to say. But there is. God has placed a song in your heart, and you have a part to play, just as Mary did. And when we celebrate her voice, we recognize that the least of these are more powerful than can ever be imagined. There are four songs in Luke's gospel that sing about this time. There are so many more songs in this place today. And God is waiting to hear what you will sing and how you will work with God to change this world. Let us find our song and let us sing it out loud. And if needed, put choreography with it. I'll show you the box step later. Amen. Thank you for listening to the White Oak Pond Christian Church Podcast. We hope that it's been a blessing to you this day. White Oak Pond seeks to be a place where we accept one person at a time to Christ's never-ending and forgiving love. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you can receive sermons each and every week. And also rate us. It really helps. Thank you again. And may you know joy in powerful ways this week.